And let's look to the Word of God as I read the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 44 and 49. This is where the Scripture finds us. Jesus is already on the cross. By this time it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain of the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends including the woman who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching. The word of the Lord. I have been sharing a series this Lent, and this Lent happened to be, well, it happened that all March was kind of Lent, with five Sundays. And we've been sharing the idea uh, of on the way to the cross from from, uh, from Palm Sunday through Easter Sunday, there was many narratives and many stories took place. And we chose five elements. We'll talk about five elements of those stories. And, and they are here. They are, we've already spoken about uh, uh, aromatic oils, which was the, the oil that Mary, the friend of Jesus, sister of Lazarus and Martha, poured over Jesus' feet and anointed Jesus, preparing him for his death. We also, last week we saw Peter... And that was Kenny. Ken played Peter, and, and, and who, who basically what he was doing, he didn't want Jesus to do what Jesus wanted to do for him. Did you get that? Peter did not want Jesus to do what Jesus wanted to do for him, which was to wash the feet symbolically. So we, we learned that hey, Jesus, when when Jesus said, "Hey, if I don't wash your feet, uh, you don't belong to me," and then Peter says, "Oh Lord, I want to belong to you." So go ahead and wash not only my feet, but wash my hands and my head. In Puerto Rican translation, is wash me all. He wanted to belong to Jesus. And we expressed those two uh, experiences with coming forth and getting anointed. And last Sunday we came forth and we washed our hands symbolically as we, come, uh, as we claim to be part and belong to Jesus. Today I want to talk about divine blood. But you see, the divine blood is represented by a soldier. And we saw Charlie today coming up here and representing that soldier. But in the narrative of the entire story, there are some characters that we just don't want to look at them. And they're one of them. Well, there is quite a bit about the soldiers in all four Gospels. But we read and breeze through them because they are the what? They're the enemy. We don't want anything to do with them. They are creating this situation. They are precipitating this situation. Oh, from the scheme of God's things, they are pawns on God's will to carry out God's will. But we don't see it that way. And we ignore them as we walk through the stories. 
I wonder if that is the same way we ignore people in our community. That we just don't like, that we just can't handle, that we just, they look different than us. And we just don't seem to want to look at them. So soldiers are kind of the unseen people in our narrative. Those we ignore and those we reject. Similarly, we we have already judged the soldiers. We talk about soldiers and the narrative of the crucifixion and we all evil. Straight to hell without collecting the $200. And we judge them in the story. And I wonder to what degree we also judge other people in our community. Prejudging them, not knowing their stories, not knowing what has happened in their lives, what has transpired from since they were a child, what has transpired in their lives. Were they married? Were they educated? Were they not? What happened that they are in that situation? We just don't care. We prejudge and we reject and ignore. It's easier to do that, to be honest with you. But the gospel does not call us to live an easy life. And I wonder how our attitude would change if we were to know the story of some of these soldiers, if we were to know the life story of some of these people that we see in our streets, of some of the illegal criminal immigrants that we call them so offensively to God. How would we feel about them if we really knew their story? If we knew who some of these soldiers were? Well, we know that as we get to know people better, how do we feel? More comfortable? Oh, we, 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 we discover things that are quirky and, and weird and funny, but as we get to know people better, we, we tend to come closer at some level. Is that true or am I making this up? I see the heads. Thank you. Their struggles and their dreams, we feel closer to them when we get to know them. Our resistance is, is down and our arms tend to be open to easily embrace the strangers once we get to know them. So let me talk this morning, let me share with you a legend, a story about one of those soldiers who we have a little bit of information, very little information. Well, this soldier was a Roman soldier. He was actually born from a Roman family in the central part of Turkey called Cappadocia or Cappadocia. And in the central part of Turkey, uh, his early childhood, he displayed strong-willed and perhaps some leadership skills to the point that his family actually sent him to military school. His father had actually been sent to work with a proconsul in Cappadocia. He was probably sent to military school, and, and, and a noble Roman may have been his sponsor. He moves up quickly up the ranks and becomes a centurion. At some point through, who knows under what circumstances, he is assigned to serve under a proconsul. At some point, and who knows under what circumstances, he ends up in the province of Palestine, Judea to be more exact, under proconsul Pontius Pilate. Tradition names him as Longinus. Can you say that name? Longinus. That was him. And Longinus had power. Longinus, wow, he was the chief executioner. He ends up in the province. He ends up with power, with privilege, 
and with control of people's lives. But I wonder if Longinus was really happy. Tradition says that he was somewhat blind. Actually, it says that at some battle in which he was involved, he lost part of his vision. And he was angry and bitter. He probably had nightmares, talking about PTSD. He had seen too much blood, and too much blood had his name on it. And he was in charge. But he was also fed up, tired of being tired, and no hope out of this literally bloody cycle. Execution after execution after execution. He was a centurion in charge of crucifixions in Jerusalem. He was the executioner. He gave the orders and he had the control of pain. He gave the orders and he had the control of suffering. He gave the orders and he had the control of death. He commanded death. But I wonder if a human being in that position, deep down, he was hoping that one of these orders may have been his last orders for execution. He had heard of a fellow centurion who actually had a slave that was healed by this Jewish prophet. But Longinus just could not think and consider with his position and his status to even lower himself and go talk to one of these Jewish people. He finds himself doing it once more. This time the orders say that the prisoner is accused of sedition, calls himself a king, and the crowd is unusually large. He gives the orders. He waits at the point of the execution for his soldiers to bring the condemned to him. So he's waiting in Golgotha. The prisoner is beyond recognition when he comes. The other soldiers had no mercy on him. He is almost dead. Longinus orders the nailing and the raising of the cross. Three crosses he's doing today. However, he can't keep his eyes away from a small group in the crowd. He sees the condemned grieving mother, perhaps, and allows her and her helpers to come closer, just a bit closer to the cross, because he's concerned. He's got his other soldiers controlling this crowd. Some are crying. Some are angry. Longinus moves closer to this group and he hears a whisper from the condemned guy. He hears a whisper and he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Hmm. Oh, Longinus has heard words before from the cross. He also hears the, the, the amazing words, uh, Son, there's your mother. Mother, there's your son. He is taking care. Well, he's agonizing, and Longinus is just looking at this character on the cross. He's never heard words like that from the He's heard words, but not like those. He notices his fellow soldiers under his command now playing for the cloak of the condemned and the loot of the other two. But he notices the skies are darkening. 
He notices that the birds are kind of in a rush, going in a different direction, because there is something wrong in the climate. He then orders the soldiers to break the prisoner's legs. And when the soldier comes back and tells him, he's dead. Impossible. How can he be dead? So without any hesitation, Longinus could not believe it. It's too soon. So he gets a spear from a security guard and stands under the condemned prisoner and launches the lance into his side of the prisoner. And he gets sprays with water and blood. Confirmation. The condemned one is dead. Longinus just couldn't believe it. The earth was shaking. The wind was just tearing through. But one thing happened that he kept very quiet at that moment. One thing happened. When he introduced the lance into the condemned prisoner and the spray of blood and water fell on him, His eyes were open. His partial vision was recovered, tradition tells. And from that moment on, as he realizes that his eyes has been restored, they, what, the hope of forgiveness, the words that he heard from the man who was dying, that he was executing himself. Forgive them. Now become reality in him. Truly, he says, this man was the son of God. His physical and spiritual blindness were gone. Like Longinus, our community and maybe our church is full of people who seem powerful and in control, but deep down, just a few layers below, there is the appearance and we will find pain suffering, and unhappiness. Like Longinus, we have many who are in need of connection with God and discover a new purpose for life, a new flavor, a new taste, a new way to look, a new perspective, a new reality with my maker. Longinus' eyes needed to be opened. Not by political views that divide and create hate, as he knew that. But by the love of the lamb that was slain for him. He saved his life. Tradition also tells us that the reason why the guards in the grave who lost the body of Christ were not killed, because they were supposed to, was because Longinus was his, their boss. And he gave him a pass on that one. Tradition also tells us that Longinus converted. He left the military. He hung out with the disciples during the 50 days that Jesus was walking in the land. And eventually went back to Cappadocia and preached the gospel. There he was martyred at home but at home with God and with Jesus. No more blood. Now, he teaches life. He teaches hope. He shares love and peace. 
My question for you this morning is very simple. For whom did the divine blood was shed? Longinus never expected that that sacrifice, that he was the executioner, was going to turn around and change his life. Can you imagine? For whom did Jesus die? So I invite you, we answered that question already this morning, right? With the first strip. You wrote in one strip your name. For whom was the blood shed? For you. The second strip, let's ask this question. For whom in your family? Who in your family needs to know that there was some blood shed for him in forgiveness? Write it down. Oop, I got mine Who in your family needs to know that the blood was shed for him or for her? And then the third one. Maybe you may not know this person by name. Because this is going to be an unseen person, like the soldiers. People that have been come to our house and do work, but we just pay them and do whatever, but we don't know who they are. Maybe it is the people who work in the village and, and care for the hallways and care for the common areas and come and do things. Who is that third person that Christ shed his blood for? Find that criminal, find that immigrant, find that undesirable, find that whatever that we're not used to. Find that soldier in your story. For whom did that divine blood was shed? Somebody who you may be speaking to, somebody who may just need Jesus. And I'm going to ask you and invite you to come forward and bring the little strips. And let's put them in the cross. As we pray and we remember them, there is this whole coming two weeks. Come forward.